Well, we've been on our series on Wednesday night regarding prayer, and uh, I have a, I like it when I have subtitles, but um, we are tonight talking about the power of promise, the power of promise, the power of not just a promise, but the power of the promise of God. All through this book are promises. And, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, we can say things to ourselves like, you know, Randy, I promise you I'll be there. Okay? You'll see me there, I promise. Okay? And then... Well, you know, whatever. I, I, I told I was going to be there, but I, I had other things going on. And so we just let promises like that go. Um, all through our society, there's promises and contracts that are made, and people break those. You know, very easy in the sports world, in the professional sports world, to break a contract. Well, we signed that, but I don't want to play here anymore. Well, I said I was going to do that, but I don't want to do it anymore. So, so we break promises. So promises don't really mean anything. Used to be, or at least I've heard it was this way. I don't know that it was ever this way in, in, in my world, maybe when I was a young, young person and didn't realize it. But I've heard stories of people that shook hands on deals, you know. They say, you know what, I'm going to loan you this uh, $10,000 and we're going to shake on it. And, and their word was golden. I mean, I guess it was that way. You know, I've, I've heard stories of it about, anybody ever heard stories about the good old days? I don't know if those were all good old days or not, but whatever the good old days were, that's what I heard that that's what happened and that people, they, they gave their word and they meant it, you know. And people didn't need to sign contracts and all these different things. Well, then we sign contracts and everybody breaks contracts. People get married, they sign their name on a marriage certificate, and we get tired of each other and we, we, we move on or issues happen or there's division and, and those kind of things. And people, it's easy to break contracts. Well, <clears throat> God is not a contract breaker. In fact, it's impossible for him to break a promise. And, and I've said this before, but I'm driving this point home. It's not that he could break a promise and he chooses not to. It's impossible for God to say one thing and do something else. Impossible. And, and the more we understand that and we live in that realm, the better things are because then in the earth, we're demonstrating to the earth the power of promise. There is a power and authority in promise being declared and then promise being fulfilled. There's no end to what can be done and established when promise is fulfilled. So we're going to talk about the power of promise tonight in regards to prayer. We've talked about the fact that prayer is connection, communion, it's relationship with God. Prayer is not just verbalizing certain 
list of things that we have. I'll, I'll just tell you this, that through the years, you know, I, I, I believe that at certain times in your life, prayer lists are very important because training always has to do with the appearance of something being like the law. Training does. You know, we start somewhere, and then we need to learn how to be committed to something and consistent with it and follow through in it. So there are times when, when you're learning, you need prayer list. You need to stick to that and stay with it because it needs to develop an awareness inside of you of other things than just yourself. When I have a prayer list and I've got 15 people on this prayer list, and I commit to doing that every day for a, for a season and a period of time or till the fulfillment of the prayer that I'm praying and I see that answered, there's something that happens to you when you see your prayers being answered on behalf of someone else, not just yourself. The, the, the world, I think, has been at times convinced that we, we've got to only be aware of ourselves and not aware of other people. Or the church has taught you know, you need to develop this concern for others and understand how important that is. But trying to develop that a lot of times is difficult if we don't just take little subjects and learn to stay with it and follow through with them. It's, it's really important that, that we do that. But that's not the end all. That's the beginning. You know, and, and as a, the Bible talks a lot about children and us being as children and learning things as children or elementary issues about specific topics, but then there's time to grow up and take real responsibility for it, you know? There, there, there are times when I will start my day and I know in my spirit I need to be praying in the spirit. Well, but you know, we got to do this or that. No, 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 no. No, in my position... And, and the things that I know, and 38 plus years after being born again, when I know that I need to be praying, I need to be praying. Everything else is going to be set aside over here. I need to be praying in the Spirit. But if all I ever did every day was just pray in the Spirit, nothing's going to get done. Nothing's going to get accomplished. You say, well, yeah, but you're praying in the Spirit and things are being accomplished. Yeah, but, but there's times when God will say, now, I don't want you to do that. I, I, I've heard him very clearly. I don't want you to spend two hours today praying in the Spirit. I want you to do this. I want you to go see that person. I want you to, to put action to the things that you're praying and what you're believing for when I tell you to do it. See, being led by the Spirit is the key to your and my success in everything across the board. I don't care what it is. It's not us trying to dream up in our minds what we think is the will of God. It's learning what the will of God is and then implementing that. And you put God in a box and say he's just about praying and he's just about doing and he's just about works or he's just about this thing or that thing. He's, not, he's about all of it. And, and we have to learn when we do those things. So tonight, title of my message, Power of Promise. I want to I want to look at how prayer is intermingled with the promises, and and how we demonstrate on a day to day basis God's power and authority 
in the midst of what he's already promised. Everybody say already. The promises aren't something that's down the road when he dreams something up that he would like for us. He's already promised it. Everything has already been promised. Your life has already been directed, and you and I have to learn how to tap it and get in it and fulfill what his plan is for us in the earth. You know, And I promise you, his plan for you is not your vocation. It's part of it, but his plan for you is to be led by his spirit, to have an intimate, ongoing relationship with him where you're able to hear him every day and know what he's saying and know that he's hearing you so that the things that you're declaring and speaking are coming to pass. Because the Bible says when we know that he hears us, then we know we have the request that we ask. I'm going to say it again. When you know that he hears you on a regular basis, then you have confidence that the things that you're asking are coming to pass. The Bible says that. Scripture says that. 1 John 5. Amen? So, um, <coughs> Romans chapter 4. I want to look at that just for a minute. Romans chapter 4 talks about the life of Abraham. And uh, there's a lot that we could say about this. But I want to I start with verse 17 and read through verse 21. And it says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed God, he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did who contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God. Everybody say the promise of God. He did not waver at the promise of God. What was the promise of God? That when he had no children, he called him Abraham. Even though he was still Abram, he called him Abraham, father of nations. Before he even had a child. He called him that. That was the promise of God. Now, we know if we go back to Genesis chapter 12 and we start reading in there, we know in Scripture that he staggered, and he had a difficult time with it. And he had a child with his handmaiden, I mean his maiden, the person that took care of the house. He had a child with her under the direction of his wife to try to fix things and make things that would line up with what God had said. So he went to, as we talked about last week, he went to the things of the flesh to try to work out and manifest the promise of God. How many know how wrong that is? He had some lying issues. He just had some issues. He had some stuff. Anybody ever known anybody that had some stuff? Everybody say stuff. So Abraham, the father of nations and the father of us all, the example 
is, is, of what Jesus would accomplish started with Abraham. And Abraham, the father of nations, had some stuff. And he had some issues that he had to work through in his life. Amen? But it said here, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, what God had promised, he was able also to perform. In the 8th chapter of Romans, and verse 31, Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, What then, the Apostle Paul's, in his, in, his, in his letter here, says, what then shall we say to these things? If, if God is for us, who can be against us? Is that a promise in the Word? Yeah? It's, it's, it's mentioned that I know of five times, and in, in it's worded in different ways. But that if God is for us, nobody can be against us. And it's worded in different ways, but that's a promise. If God is for me, then nobody can be against me. I I have to be able to, when natural things, fleshly things, are trying to convince me of what I see, and the promise said that if God's for me, nobody can be against me, I've got to be in a place where I can exchange the flesh with the Spirit. There's got to be a, a, a conscious effort to exchange that, and that comes through my connection and my intimacy with God. See, when we think about ourselves, when we're only thinking about ourselves and our position or condition, we, we can't see through to hear what God is saying. Well, this thing happened, or that person said this, or this situation got stirred up. Yeah, but God says, yeah, but... but Nothing like that can be against you if I'm for you. Do you believe I'm for you? That's what God will speak to you. Do you believe I'm for you? Well, you, you, said, you, you said you were, and if he can't lie and he said it, then that has to settle it inside of us. See, it won't just happen because he said it. It has to get settled inside of me. I've got to believe that more than I believe anything that I see, feel, taste, or touch, or in, 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 in anything in the flesh realm, in the carnal realm. I have to believe that. Amen? So, Paul says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justified. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, there's a question, shall distress separate us from what Jesus Christ did for us? When when he says separate us from the love of Christ, God so loved the world that he gave the best of heaven. And and what, what the best of heaven accomplished is what now you and I have the power to overcome. We, now we have the, the power to overcome here tribulations. We have the power to overcome distress. But Paul's asking this question in this letter. He's saying, shall tribulation or distress or persecution 
or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword. And we don't use, there's a lot of those words that we don't use. But you can factor in anything that Jesus died for and ask the same question. Will these things separate me from what Jesus Christ did for me? The, the answer is that the answer is no. The answer is no. But if it's not settled in you, then that doesn't mean that's the answer for you. See, the answer to this question, and, and Paul gives his interpretation of it in the next two verses. He said, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Well, now, over in chapter 4, that where we read where we read about Abraham, it says in verse 21 of 4, it says, Abraham was fully convinced. He was fully convinced. Everybody say fully. Not, not just partial, but he was fully convinced that what he had promised he was able also to perform. So in the New Testament, the testimony of Abraham is not all the mistakes he made. It's the fact that through about 25 years of having to walk things out, he got it. <laughs> he got fully convinced that what God had promised, he's able to do it. Can you say amen? So in chapter 8 here, Paul says it this way. I'm persuaded. In other words, I'm fully convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, things present, things to come, heights, depth, nor any other created thing. In other words, everything's covered. Paul said, I'm convinced. I'm fully persuaded. I've come to a place where I know without a shadow of a doubt that no matter what comes down the pike, what comes down the line, what comes against my life in any way, shape, or form, it will not separate me from the power that is connected to what Jesus did for me. Can you say amen? I'm convinced. See, we're talking about the power of promise because the power of promise in the promises of God in me will enable me to never be stopped and come up short in anything that I face. So if I become fully convinced and persuaded of that, now I'm in a position to be so much more empowered and, and in a tactical position for the good of other people. Now, now I'm able to be focused and, and, and empowered to pray and to believe God for other people. When God says pray, when God says do something for someone else, when God says help this situation out, and sometimes God will tell you to pray in the Spirit and you don't even actually get necessarily the interpretation of what you're praying for, but when you're liberated and free in yourself and you're not distracted by all the junk of the flesh that wants to weigh you down, pull you down, and get you out of intimacy and relationship with God, when you're not distracted by those things, you walk around fully convinced and persuaded that what Jesus did at Calvary has empowered you to be able to do anything and everything that you were created to do. Listen, you weren't created to do everything. I wasn't created to do everything. But all of us together can accomplish everything God wants to do in the earth. Hmm? So, you know, uh, today on planet earth, there's probably 
about, now some people disagree with this, but me looking at the statistics that I can find, and I looked at a bunch of different statistics, there's probably about 45% Christian. I'm, I'm not talking about just church people. I'm talking about people that are born again on planet Earth. Probably in the 45 percentile. It's less than 50% around the world. But 6,000 plus people a day are getting born again. So it's increasing. And it's continuing to increase and get stronger and better around the world. But that many people are born again on planet Earth. And if that many people are born again, they have the potential to make a difference in the Earth, but there's another 50 to 55% of the people that aren't really truly born of the Spirit of God. So there's a lot of gaps. There are a lot of gaps out there in the world. There's a lot of things that are slipping through the cracks at different times because there's a lot of people that are not born again. So our job is to be about people. <clears throat> Can you say amen? If there's... If there's 55% of the people on planet Earth that are not saved and not born again, okay, then we need to help that percentage out, right? And that's about being there for other people. God's purpose and plan in the Earth is that you and I learn to not be about ourselves, but to be about others. I, I, I just, you know, I think this whole year, that's been my focus in, in different ways and things that we've preached and taught on. And, and I, I just can't get away from it because, you know, so, so much of our society is worried about, you know, well, that person not getting away with something. You know, we're, we're coming up on a, a, on a really crucial election, and there's a lot to be said about the candidates that are out there, and, and there's a lot that you could say could be lacking in the realm of Christian virtue and, 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 and perspective and understanding. So there's a, there's a lot of opinion that's out there. And, and Christian people can be very opinionated about issues and topics and things that are out there. And, and the power of their words can get so wrapped up in criticizing and bringing down other people and, and being in fear and worried and fretful over how they're going to be treated and how they're going to be done. I heard somebody the other day said if certain one of the candidates got into office that they were going to move to another country. And I'm thinking, you mean to tell me you're going to let an individual control what you're going to trust and how you're going to believe in God? So, so you're not going to move to another country because God led you. You're going to move to another country because so-and-so is the president of the United States. See, our thinking's wrong. What, 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 what am I trying to say? There's no connection with God. See, and there's no connection with the purpose of God. The purpose of God is people. And, and you, have to, you have to take ownership of this and you've got to work it out in yourself. Because in anything that I'm saying to you tonight... You could back up and say, well, yeah, but, you know, I've got to be concerned about this, and I've got, to, I've got to make sure that this gets done, and this gets taken care of, and, you know, we've got to be responsible people, and we've got to, you know, pay our bill or whatever it is. You know, you, you, your, your mind can think, I need to be responsible for certain things. No, you've got to know what the promises of God are, and you've got to pay attention to what those are. Anything, anything that you read in here, 
that is a promise, that's where you, your, your, your spirit man has got to be connected to. And if you're not connected that, to this, then those fleshly things out there are going to distract you and try to pull you down and get you wrapped up and involved in things that are only taking away from what God wants to do in you and through you. I'm telling you, this planet right now is like it's on, uh, it's idling. And it's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of men. I just, online today, just saw my tickets to the, my brother has seats at the F1 race every year over in Austin, Formula One. I just saw my tickets. Those guys get in gear and they move. Anybody know what Formula One is? It's race cars. Anyway, I, I've kind of been following some of the guys in Formula One, and I, I like it. And, uh, but I, it's just because my brother likes it, and I just go because I like to be around him. And uh, so when those guys are idling at the, when, when they're starting, you know, they, they, they have three races prior, qualifying races prior to Sunday, which is the big day, the race. And in those qualifiers, the last, the last one, they're, well, they're heat races, and then there is a qualifier on Saturday that is for certain pole positions. And so they all get in their position, and they're idling on the day of the race. And what's, what, what are they waiting? They're waiting to engage and take off. And I'll I just tell you, right now, listen to me. Do not be afraid of anything that's going on in the earth. Do not be afraid of who will be the next president of the United States. Do not fret one iota who will be the next president. Now listen to me. You better make sure that you take responsibility and pray and vote. Amen? Pray and vote. And then you cast the care of it onto God, and then we're going to keep doing the will of God. Yeah, but, but what if they do? What if what? You think Jesus said, well, you know, I don't know if I can do the works that I'm supposed to do because, you know, Herod's a bad guy and he, may, he, may, he wants to kill me. Yeah, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him the day he started his earthly ministry. They wanted to push him off the side of the cliff and take him out. Did that bother him? No. Actually, the, the, the miracles that manifested over the next three and a half years were just staggering. I'm telling you, the miraculous is doing this right now. You know Why? Because God won't operate in the miraculous without you. Now, God can do anything he wants, anything that he wants to, but his word says that we're joint heirs with him. So he's already done his part. Now, all that the earth is waiting on is for the manifestation of the sons of men. And I'm telling you, we're, we're at the starting line, and it's time to engage. And, and the only way that you and I engage is through intimacy and relationship with God. And in that intimate relationship and that connection with God, we, we find the promises and then we find and experience the power that is connected to every promise. Listen to me. The power of promise will heal your marriage. 
It'll heal your relationship with your children. It'll straighten up your mother-in-law. Oh, I'm teasing. <laughs> you know I'm teasing. <clears throat> oh, you guys are getting too serious. Come on, lighten up, lighten up. <clears throat> I'm, I'm telling you, the power of promise will line up your finances, your physical body. It will, it will cause you to be healthy and wealthy and wise. The power of promise. But the power of promise comes through relationship. And, and the effectiveness, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, as we've been talking about, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And the righteous man is the one who knows he's righteous. It's not because he's so perfect. Don't misunderstand what they're saying. The righteous man is not one that just does everything perfect, but he knows he's righteous, and he gets closer to God, and the closer he gets to God, the closer God gets to him. And I'm telling you what, if there's sin in your life or issues in your life, those things become a thing of the past because I get close to God. But I'm I'm telling you, there's something about this power it is connected to the promises of God that you, you cannot be offended with someone else when you're connected to promise. You, 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 you just forgive people. You, 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 you know, it's not about, well, sh- should I let this person get away with this? No, 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 you ask God. Should I let this thing happen or that? Should I, you know, how, how, how am I going to act and, and treat this other person because they did this to me? And I, No, you don't get wrapped up. That's fleshly crud. I could say some other words that would, that would identify that. That's of the flesh. But the things of the Spirit, whew, they liberate you. See, you, you, when you live in the Spirit, you don't live in this Pollyanna world where everything's just perfect. No, 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 no. You're talking about living in an unperfect world with all kinds of stuff going on, and yet you're choosing, because of your connection with God, to do love. Love is patient. It's kind. Love doesn't seek its own. Love forgives. Love doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. How do you do that? By the power of God. Only by the power of God. It, it, it liberates you of yourself. Listen, we are our worst enemies. You and I are our worst enemies. And if we stay connected to us, it's, the future is ugly. But we stay delivered of ourselves and connected to God, there's no end to what we can accomplish because it answers things that your mind struggles with. What did Jesus mean? Love your enemies. Do good to those who use you and spitefully. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know what. No, 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 don't talk to me. (laughs) Come to me and say, yeah, but you know, yeah, but they did this to me and I have a right. A right? A right to what? We got to learn that our rights are gone. When you connect with God, you don't have any more rights. Now, I mean, you can claim your rights and you can walk in those things, but, man, you get delivered of that when you get connected to God. But then we got to walk that out and not let issues of the flesh trouble us and try to take us down and keep us in that place of bondage. It's not, yeah, but. you got to get rid of the buts. Right? 
you got to get delivered of every but that wants to raise its head up and say, if I could just, or I should be able to, or what about this, or what about that thing, or this thing? No, 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 no excuses. We're talking about growing up into a place that the miraculous of God manifests in our life every day. The miraculous is just there waiting to happen. Miraculous things that God has already ordained and set up to happen will happen because of our connection with him. Man. So, uh, so, I already said that once, right? So, so, I already said that again. So, 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 um, four things, four things I just want you to consider that have to do with the power promise, four things, um, And, and these, these have to do with a promise being fulfilled. A promise being fulfilled. <clears throat> if, if nobody is believing, if nobody is believing in the promise, then nobody is receiving from the promise. If nobody's believing, nobody's receiving. If God be for me, then who can be against me? Who's believing that? In the moment when it looks like nobody's for you or whatever. If nobody's believing, then nobody's receiving. It's vital that we come to a place to believe. And what is believing? What is believing? It's a decision. It's a choice. If God is for me, then nobody can be against me. You have to choose when it looks like somebody's against you to believe the opposite. It doesn't matter what they said. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Why? Because God is for me. Right? But if nobody chooses, if nobody chooses to make a choice to believe in that situation, then nobody's going to receive. Do you realize the responsibility that is on us in every situation? The Bible says those who are spiritual, they're supposed to help those who aren't spiritual. So when I make a choice to believe God's word when I don't want to, I make the choice, there's a decision that's made, I'm, no, 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 I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to do everything that I would end up doing if I choose not to believe. And now, when I choose to believe, I'm receiving, and the person that I could have been however toward, they're receiving too because they're not getting my backlash. You see... Listen, when we start believing what God says is true, look at the responsibility, but look at the rewards. When I do something that's right, 
because it's right, because I made the choice and the decision to do it, all of a sudden, I begin to see, God begins to reveal to people he can trust what you stopped. I mean, God has shown me at times when I've made this decision, the avalanches <laughs> that could have happened had I chosen the flesh. The problem in this type of decision making is that most of the time, there's no cameras around. In so many cases, you don't get to tell other people how you believed God and things changed. I mean, you know, usually you do later on. But God said, just keep your mouth shut. Just let it happen. That worked out. But the more convinced of that you get, the more you're going to believe. And the better off people will be. Just think about, <clears throat> just think about what's going to happen in Kerrville, Texas in the days ahead because you and I are, gonna, are believing this stuff. Just think, what, just think of all the amazing, miraculous manifestations that are being set up now even as we're just thinking about based on what I'm talking about. <laughs> the number of people that are in this room right now can change this whole city if we do the th things like that I'm talking about right here. Number two, so the first one is believing. No believing, no receiving. Now, the second one is really key. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that he asks or think according to to the power that works in the individual, according to the power that works in me. God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that I ask or think according to what's working inside of me. We already know what God, not that he can do, that he's already done. He's already healed us and delivered us and set people free. He's already, and, and, and to the portion of that working in me, it depends on how much of that revelation of God is working inside of me, okay? So, number two is this. The limitations for manifestation of promises, the limitation for manifestation of promises, the limitation is not from God, but it's from man. The limitations are not from God. The limitations are from man. God is never limited. But his promises are limited if the power doesn't work inside of you and I. Ephesians 3.20. Um, number three. I have a thought, and I'll give it in a second. <laughs> Number three. My confession, trying to figure out how I'm, I'm, I'm giving this to you. I wrote a lot here, but it says, I wrote here that, and, and this is all based on confession. My confession of God's word is what brings the power 
to the table. My confession of God's word is what brings the power to the table. If I don't learn the power of confession, and, and, I, and I underestimate that, and, and confession becomes a common thing. See, see, confession brings the power to the table. Confession of the word isn't the power in operation. It brings it to the table because of what it does for me. See, my, my mind that thinks on fleshly things has got to be renewed. And the only way my mind can be renewed is through the confession of the word. So you can hear me confess the word. If you followed me around every day and, and, and you heard me confess the word and you said nothing, that'd be great. And you'd think, man, Pastor Bert's confessing the word and doing, but that wouldn't do anything for you. I mean, it'll do a little bit, but at the end of the day, you're going to believe what you think no matter what I say. See, and if you don't take what I'm saying tonight and do something with it, it won't change you because at the end of the day, you'll still believe the unbelief and the things that, that the flesh try to dictate to you because you're ruled by what you see and what you hear. Those things will continue to affect your life instead of you believing what the promise is. So the, it's the confession of God's word that brings the power to the table for us. Can you say amen? And then number four. <clears throat> and, and, and I want to say it like this the right way. When, when I, in, in a moment when, if God be for me, that nobody can be against me. When, when that is the right word, the Bible says in Psalm, or maybe it's Isaiah, one of, one of, I think it's Psalm 50. It says, a word in season will sustain the weary. It will bring life, the right word. You know, confession brings the power to the table. But then in the moment, when I speak what God has already said is so, and I'm speaking in faith, that's what produces the results that were produced in Jesus' life. So what I say in faith, when I'm praying the prayer of faith, and I'm declaring faith in a situation, in that moment, it has to be what God says is so right there. Jesus spent time praying and fellowshipping and connecting with the Father, so he said, I only say and do the things that Father says. It's not me just pulling something out of a hat or that sounds like a good thing or I read a book and, 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 and that's a good passage of scripture so I'm going to speak that. Trying to make changes in the natural. That's where people got faith and, and stuff all goofed up. See, confession brings the power to the table for me but then I've got to hear the voice of God to deliver the God word in the moment to get the same results. And I have to believe that. So it's calling those things that aren't as though they are. I had a, we had three schnauzer dogs. Two of them were named Heidi. First one, somebody stole it from our backyard when we lived in McAllen. Second one, Heidi, she died at about, what, nine, 10 years old. <clears throat> 
And we had just gotten another dog to be friends with that Heidi, and we called her Chloe. They were all females. You know, I, I don't live with anybody but females. So <clears throat> the dogs might, be, might as well be females too. So this little Chloe, you know, some of the dogs irritated me. And one day God told me, he said, you know, you, you got a bad attitude towards your dog. Just a dog. No, it's your attitude. You need to change it. And so over time, man, I love that dog. I love that dog. And, uh, but she'd run out in the backyard in the corners where it's dark and I couldn't see her. So I'd get the, I'd get the dog food bag and I'd start shaking it. Chloe. And I'd say something. What, what did I used to say? Dinner or bites? What was it? Treat. That's what it was. Chloe, treat. And wherever she was, in the hidden dark, she'd appear. Hmm? Because of what she heard. And you know what? She believed that what I said was true. I never offered her a treat and didn't give it to her. God has offered us promises and they're hidden. The promises are hidden. You know? And, and a lot of times we're like Chloe in the dark and, you know, we're trying to, we're doing other things and we're distracted. You know, Chloe would always, Chloe would be distracted by a stick. You know, she'd find a big old stick and I'd say, Chloe, come here. No, but when I offered her the treat, she'd come running. And you know what? It's the promises that draw us to God. I mean, he promised you health and wealth and wholeness and deliverance. He promised us and the more we understand and we know him through those promises, then why would we want anything else? But you know what? When, 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 I, when, I, when I look at people here tonight, I, I know certain things about some of you that others don't know because if someone comes and confides in me, we don't tell anybody else. Nobody else in town will ever know, ever. We have an impeccable record of over 27 years of not divulging information about people's lives. You know why? Because God cares. And when I look out, what I see, what I want more than anything is it happened for you. I know different ones of you that are believing God, but I also know that you know, if, if I stepped in and made something happen in someone's life, and I've done that so many times, and, and God would say to me, why did you do that? Because they wanted something from me. God, I mean, I wanted to do it. I wanted to help them. Yeah, but you enabled them. You didn't give me the chance to lead them through where they're at so that they love me and they connect with me so that I can do things. Because listen, no matter what I could do for you, there, there's going to be a limit. But there are no limits with God. Can you say amen? There, I mean, there's no limits. I have to say that for the first time in my life in the last few years, I, I don't care about my life. I don't care about it. 
I'm not saying I'm not responsible for it, because I am, but I don't care about my life. I want to see people prosper. I want to see my children prosper. I, I want to see my mother-in-law at, at 30 years old. I want to see her prosper and advance. I, I want to see every one of you. When I look out at this congregation, I want to see you advance, but I know, I know, you cannot advance without the promise because if you advance prematurely and you advance without having revelation of the promises, it'll kill you. It'll destroy your life. And there's some of you in here that have had friends or family members or people you've seen. They didn't have the revelation. They wanted something. They wanted something maybe from me or from the ministry or, the, or whatever. And, and they wanted it and they didn't get it and they got mad and it destroyed them because they tried to leave and make it happen themselves and it doesn't work that way. It cannot work without the promises being in you and you being settled and satisfied in life with God and God only. Chloe. Hey, Bert, I got this. Brian. Chad. Different ones. Becca. And you know what? In the darkness and the distractions, we start coming. When we hear him calling us, I'm telling you, he's calling all the time. I've got this for you. I know that looks rough. I know it looks tough. I know this is a difficult situation right here, but I've got you. I got your back. I got your back. I got it. Hmm? And tonight, God wants you to know that more than you know anything else. That his promises are your lifeline. The promises of God are not sometimes or when God feels like it. The promises of God are yes and amen. Paul said, I'm fully convinced that these threats against my life, the Bible says he was in deaths often. Three times that we know of through church history, Paul was laid dead at, at, the, at the gate of a city and he rose up and preached the next day. Three times that we know of. We have record of it in the Bible once, but three times in church history that we know of, he was at death's door and he rose up and preached the next day. <laughs> I'm convinced, Paul said, that none of that stuff is able to separate me from the love of God because he had the promise they couldn't take him out. They couldn't take him out. They couldn't do away with him. They can't take you out. Nobody can take you out. Not the government, not people, not the devil, not anybody. Because God is and has done what he said in his word. And his promises are true. Who can say amen to that?